Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store. I'm Joe Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muadib. Hello, everyone, and you lost the game. Go on. <laughs> uh, we're back talking Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks Season 2. Uh, we're... We're still in the good area of this season, but we're going to be nosediving right into it next week, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But this week we're doing episodes five and six, The Orchid's Curse and Demons. Mm-hmm. Paul, what are, you, what, are your, some, what are your first thoughts on these two episodes here? Well, I'm glad, you know, we, we've been really fortunate because I'm glad we watched these ones like together. Um, even though the, um, uh, Orchid's Curse was, um, written by Barry Pullman and, um, uh, the Demons was written by, um, Har- uh, Harley and Robert, um, who we should know by now. Um, <clears throat> it really felt like, like a two part, like it, the, the way I watch them, like, I'm really glad we, like, it just, just happened to work for us. Because these two, I think, needed to be watched together. Would you agree? Yeah, they almost feel like a two-parter. If there there is a thing in Twin Peaks of a two-parter episode, this would this is one of the few times it felt like watching back to back. They kind of complement each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's let's just get right into it. Uh, yeah, please. So with Orchid's Curse, this is more of a it's heavy. Toward uh, Harold. This is more of a Harold episode, I would say. Mm-hmm. But we get some other things, but Harold to me is probably the more most interesting aspect of the episode. But what we're going to is we wait. We start with the Great Northern. Cooper <laughs> wakes up, tells Diane immediately that he had a dream where he was eating a large, tasteless gumdrop, which is uh, earplugs fell out and one landed in his mouth. So. <laughs> he's sleep eating at this point. Yes, and I, it's so funny. Um, I love that. Um, and yeah, that's really it. And then he's starting to do yoga. We're seeing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's you know he's got that Eastern flavor of his obsessions, you know. And he find he finally finds Audrey's note from last season. Under mm-hmm. his bed, which I, I feel like this note keeps moving around his room. Well, and, okay, so this is another one of those continuity things that 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 bugged me a little bit. Is okay if he's been doing this and he's been starting with headstands and doing things. There's nowhere for him to do a headstand other than against one of the wall, looking under that bed. So how has he not seen it? Well, I mean, he was shot that one night. <laughs> I'll give him that one. Sure, I'll give him that one, but we're on episode... I mean, each one of these episodes is about a day, right? Roughly, so, yeah. So we're four days into this... Four days in from the letter? Four or five days in from the letter? I don't know. I don't know, but all right, fine. Fair enough. All right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he finds the note from Audrey. So he now knows where Audrey is, mm. uh, which is good because if he wouldn't have found this note, he'd be... Supposedly, in Ben Horn's logic, Cooper would be dead by the end of this episode. But good thing he finds that note, and then he also mentions the giant was right. He was he did forget something. Right, right, exactly. Just, the giant's like, look under your bed, dummy. 
<laughs> I guess, you know, maybe I'm not going to argue what that was, but it is there. Um, so we have that. And then we cut to the police station where we get somewhat of an A plot where Hawk comes back and says that he interrogated the neighbors up at Pearl Lake and neither of them knew of Robertson or the or or a Bob. Yeah, it was two women. And yep. uh, did you get uh, when he mentioned the two elderly women who were like live next door to the Palmers? I had a vision. I immediately thought of the finale of the the return of the two women who are living in the Palmer house when Dale. Yeah, that was my yeah. first thought. Like, is that something? You is know? that a reference? I think it's a subtle nod. I think it might be a subtle nod. Absolutely. Um, I, but I also picture, you know, I think about these two ladies living up on Pearl Lake. I'm thinking retirement, you know, cabin type of thing. Yeah. So I was also picturing like two old, old lesbian couple, you know, like in their sixties. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> that couple that just kind of from, like got the, from the recognized return. for being the inspiration of league of their own. Yes. I haven't seen that documentary, but I heard it's really good. I do need to see that. I do need to see that, but yes, exactly. Um, and then uh, Coop tells uh, Truman what's going on. So now they kind of have an advantage over everything. They know where she is so they can keep playing the, the game that's going to come in later. Um, Which, and, I mean, but why doesn't Cooper just call the FBI and be like, there's this kidnapped woman, <laughs> high school girl. She's at this brothel in Canada. Yeah, I... I have hard evidence here because she wrote a note to me saying... She's, where she was? Where she was. Yeah. 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 That's a really, that's another one of those things where I was like, why didn't he let Gordon know what was going on and what he was going to do? Yeah. But again, we don't know if he did tell Gordon this or not. Blue Rose operates outside of the typical FBI, so we don't know what Gordon knows. I mean, that's just based off of what we've read in Secret History know from the return and final dossier that Gordon seems to know a lot of what's going on with Cooper more than the show ever really told us. I think so. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with you a hundred percent on that one. And I think we'll get in that next episode. Yeah. Because right after the events of this, Gordon shows up. So uh, I think he knew. Yeah. I think he knew. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of things that we're missing in conversations and the things that he's, um, that we don't have that because we don't know everything he's telling Diane and how Diane's reporting that to Gordon and you know what conversations Cooper is having with Gordon's on the side. I think there's a lot of things we just don't know. So let's dive deep into the D plot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley founding and <laughs> finding a new life. <laughs> Isn't yep. Yep. He, he's selling medical equipment. Is that the gist? That's the, the insurance history. agent because the insurance agent's Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld. We yep. see later on. He's the he's the medical device salesman. Yep, <laughs> and he's selling them the most ridiculous thing in the world. I don't even know what that contraption was. It looked like a like a fancy sex swing to me. Maybe just because that's where my mind just happened to go, but it just like that seemed like a pervy type of thing. Like not to judge or anything, but it just seems like that'd be more for Shelly and Bobby than it would be for Leo. Yes, yes. Um, 
Uh, I that's kind of where my mind went as well. I'm like, that looks like one of those sex swings that you get from that shop that maybe you shouldn't go and do. I made this back <laughs> with some leftover equipment uh, from the construction site. Yeah, maybe the pawn shop in Pulp Fiction or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. So yeah, there's there's that, and they're you know they're all just banking on the insurance thing. Uh, then we get to the court, and let me just say that um, um, the the prosecutor, he doesn't win a damn, like, he's the most worthless prosecutor ever, in my opinion. Like, this guy, I just, like, he just wins nothing. Like, I, and I kind of felt bad for him. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel like we see him later on in this, the, when the dregs of this season, I think he comes back for something. And he loses again. I could be wrong because I think frankly, you're right. I think frankly, you're right. Frankly, when it comes to season two after Lonely Souls, I'm like Harold. I'm day drinking while I'm watching this. Then just to get through the day. <laughs> I haven't hit that point yet, but it's coming. I know it's coming. Uh, I watched these ones twice in a row. Once last night uh, while I was up, and then again today to, to double check it. So yeah, it's the bail hearing. And they let Leland on bail, which, you know, in a way, had a point, though. He's like he's erratic behavior. He killed somebody after his daughter uh, was murdered. Uh, he should there's no way in hell Leland should be let out. And this is going to this is my theory, because Harry stands up and is like, yeah, Leland's is a good guy. I direct I say Harry is indirectly responsible for the murder of Maddie Ferguson. I would agree with that. I would 100% agree with you on that. And that's exactly what I thought was. I'm like, man, the guilt that would be on Truman's head when they find out that it was him that killed Maddie. Yeah, absolutely. He should have, he should really second guess this thing. And yeah, you're, the, the erratic behavior is 100% right. This guy, I mean, he is not right. Um, he's singing and dancing one moment. His hair turns shock white the next. He kills Jacques Renault in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, in order to do so, he pulled that fire alarm, which is another fine as well that they got to get him for. Um, which I think is a felony, isn't it? And it, I don't know if it's a felony. It could be. Uh, I can't remember. I can't I remember. I don't think so. I mean, okay, could be. Because too many kids do that as pranks in high school, so I don't think it. I don't remember any of our friends going to prison for that. Yes, they went to prison for other reasons. But depending depending on the state, depending on the state, pulling a fire alarm is a felony. Oh, yep. Depending on the state. What about Washington State? Uh, let me look in Washington. While you're looking this up, I just also want to bring up the fact this has probably like one of my favorite sight gags in the whole series. And it's uh, Andy sketching. For the, <laughs> he wants to sell it to the newspaper. <laughs> he's, it's not a bad sketch, but <laughs> just hit the angle he's at. He only draws the back of the side of the <laughs> and, and he says that to him, right? He's like, uh, I would... Uh... I would uh, do this. Okay. So in this. I tried to get more face in there, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Depending. Um, 
So in the state of Washington, it is a it is a um, misdemeanor, but it can be but but it can be um, increased up to a, a felony if someone were to get injured during that um, during if there was a, a, a commotion or, or you know someone getting you know freaked out and people are trying to get out of a building and someone gets injured that can add to it make it a felony. So what if uh, somebody just happened to get smothered to death while <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Asking for a friend of yours? <laughs> I would think that would constitute the felony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So long story short, Leland is released on his own recognizance. Uh, Harry does have this speech, you know, that leads to the murder of Maddie Ferguson. But I've also was confused why Harry knows so much about the Palmers' uh, history in Twin Peaks. Uh, well, it's a little I think odd. It is a little odd, but at the same time, I think it goes to show that you know he's a he's a bookhouse boy. He's someone that's been part of the community, and it goes to show how small. I think I think part of that was an intention or or, or a um, uh, just kind of a throwback to. This is that small of a town where everyone knew everyone forever. That's my thought. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but it is a bit odd. It is a bit odd. Absolutely. I mean, I, you. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, um, the Sock Rapids, which is connected to our hometown, they still haven't forgotten about a fucking tornado from two hundred years ago, dude. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> So now, uh, after this, this is a little side break from this uh, night court or whatever thing we got going on. Uh, we go to Harold Smith's where, again, he's day drinking, which I guess if he doesn't go out and doesn't have a job or anything, I mean, what el- the hell else does he have to do? But, you know, he's kind of day drinking with a teenage girl, which kind of creeps me out a bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Oh, the other thing I noticed, too, is, you know, I'm in quarantine, right? You're in quarantine. We got Voldemort going on right now, right? Yeah. There are days where I wear the same sweatpants for three days. Oh, yeah, Just, absolutely. Right? And this guy doesn't leave his house, and he has a different outfit on every day. Have you I noticed think, that? I think it's because this is his life, and he's used to it. He's done it more than two months. Yeah, that's fair. I still think it's Because I, I have... Uh, a friend who's on disability who really can't leave and you know he's able he you know he's not he's not dressed in jammy pants like i am every day (laughs) this is like you you just kind of adjust all right i'll take that that that, that seems legit because it is his life it is his way of going about things so i'll do i'll give you something that harold is weird and not for like the the obvious things because i think he's agoraphobic Mm-hmm. He is weird for like wanting to make diaries of teenage girls. That's an odd hobby, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. This would uh, this should be putting them on FBI lists. I yeah, you know, I mean, I imagine that if this had been made now, he'd be that creepy dude in a subreddit that's talking to eighteen year olds and making notes about them. God, yes, he is yes. that guy. He is I mean, that guy. He's Harold just has kind of like a creepy. I mean, I like Harold as a character, but he does. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't have enough time to flesh him out because we have to remember, like at this point, they're 
heading full into the reveal against uh, the background is Ross was okay with it. Lynch wasn't. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of button head, so they're they're kind of speeding things along. I and it feels a little more rushed than, mm. than absolutely the episodes that came before. So this feels like they're just cramming a lot in. Yeah, there's a with lot the of that, issues. Yeah, that maybe they'll be canceling this show at some at any point. That's the least the vibe I'm getting from it. Yep. Yep, I completely agree with you. Like, I've seen shows that are towards the end or are worried about a cancellation, so everything gets sped up, like, uh, everything kind of moved kind of slowly, and then it's just, okay, we, we, we got rating, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's, this, there's a lot happening all at once, and it feels very crammed in. I completely agree with you. So, <clears throat> Donna wants to read Laura's diary. Mm-hmm. Because she's a nosy bitch. <laughs> Because she's no, because this is Donna Drew's mysteries. This is Donna Drew's mystery hour with, with Laura Flamoyle. She's trying to get up all up in other people's junk. <laughs> so, but he'll he says he'll read it to her, but he also wants to start the secret diary of Donna Hayward, which nobody will ever want to read. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of gives him like this introduction, grabs Laura's diary, and runs outside <laughs> trying to like get him to go outside and as soon as he does the poor the poor son of a bitch just collapses like the he can't go outside and i have a couple theories about that but what are your thoughts well okay the one thing that uh the one thing that bothered me on this one is okay she wants this diary right she has it she left the house and she gives it back to him even though that's the whole thing that she wanted to get the diary from him and then you know he goes outside and he does this weird shake thing and i know people who are and i know people who are agoraphobic and it's not that extreme so i mean either i mean something really fucking traumatic happened to the dude yeah i have a theory that uh i don't think i think he's sensitive to the woods in a sense, mm-hmm. I think he's uh, like maybe like you know like force sensitive is in Star Wars. I think he might be lodge sensitive. Okay. That, uh, since the Tremonts are next door. Yep. I, f- I have a feeling there's something about his place. Is this his sanctuary? And if he leaves, it puts him in danger. Do you think maybe he's one of the people that like a like like a Mike or a um or like a Leland that would be susceptible? Or like a Laura that would be susceptible to be a host to some of the some of the lodge entities. I think so because you know the way he comes off, they kind of make him like a like one of the peer characters in that mm-hmm. he's not you know he doesn't really have nefarious alternative ulterior motives with things. So I think that might be part of it, and I think that might have definitely been fleshed out mm-hmm. had they not been like, oh god, the show's hemorrhaging ratings we gotta we gotta speed this along i i you know what I, i'll go along with that i think had had things gone the way it's supposed to i wouldn't be i wouldn't doubt if he was a lodge entity because he's right next door to the 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 mrs tremont and the and the boy and the, the boy magician. or the magician i think yep yep well yeah was he yes i think it was the magician and and he also as he said he's right by the woods and he was so central to all of it. I think, yeah, I think he would have 
event, I think if, if things had gone the way it should have, I think you've been introduced would have been a lot more of an interesting character. And when it came out that maybe been like another Tremont thing where we'd find out like in season three or four that he wasn't there the whole time. Yeah. I think that might've been something that they were going to flesh out. Cause again, he was an interesting character and then they just kind of, they do him wrong in these two episodes a bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of make him a little more pervy, which is not like kind of like how he was set up. But I guess, you know, you're trying to, spring ahead here because you know network interference is is a bitch is a bitch it's it happens with like unless you're like on a premium network like hbo or something Mm -hmm. you're always going to be getting notes and from people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about so then we get the weirdest bail trial of all time (laughs) leo's Leo's bail trial. Well, they got these pictures of Leo. His headshot. Uh, his headshot. Eric Duray's headshot. It looks. <laughs> yep, yep, it's his headshot from his from his audition, and they're bringing in the 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 brain. You know, can we? You know, and he the the guys arguing about the um about allowing the brain scan and what's a normal brain scan and um and he starts going on kind of a tirade, which. I, you know, very unprofessional Judge Stern. He's like, okay, okay, I got it. Let's take a brief recess over to the bar. With, with the sheriff and the FBI man. <laughs> who are in front of everybody sitting at the bar, and he tells Sid to make a Black Yukon Sucker Punch. Do you know what's in Black Yukon Sucker Punch, sir? I don't. It sounds disgusting. Two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of coffee-infused sweet vermouth, one teaspoon of creme de cocoa, top with brew uh, caraco and whipped cream. That sounds disgusting. And it's nothing but liquor. It's like a fucking. It's it and and it, they put in a giant fucking glass in that one. Did you notice Cooper is the only one who doesn't drink it? It stuff. doesn't drink it. I love that. Yes, I it's, noticed it's a, that right away. It's a little thing that shows that he's like professional and on it almost all times, which I yeah. was like a good character thing to add to it. And it kind of fits with Harry that, yeah, what the hell, I'll have a drink even though I'm working. Now, my understanding is this is going to be a um, a peer trial. So the judge then starts asking um, uh, Truman and Cooper if they think Leo was the one that killed Laura Palmer, which is, what is he doing? Yeah, he's going to be like, I mean, oh boy, this is, a, this is an appeals trial waiting to happen, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, but, you know, Cooper's like, no, no, it's not him. So they decide that Leo's not going to stay in trial. He's not competent, and he'll go home um, and get the money. And then the the interesting thing about the judge is he, he must know what's going on, too. And I think he would have been more flushed out as well. Because he starts telling Cooper that weird shit happens in the woods and the watch out for them. And did you catch that as well? Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that Judge has at one point been a bookhouse boy too. I think so. I think that, that's, I think it alludes to that because that's the exact kind of like same Harry says when he first introduces the bookhouse boys. Like he says, there's things out in these woods that nobody can explain, sort of thing. Exactly. So I think he's I, I think he's part of that crew. I think, I think 
I think he's from the area and all that, so. Yeah, I just, I just also get the feeling he would have been more important, too. Like, I think there would have been some really cool elements with him. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, again, they rushed it, and, uh, you know, I just, this, this was just network television at the time, people. I mean, uh, there's no grassroots, you know, like today, showrunners or whatever can go to social media and air grievances and put pressure on networks to kind of take the pressure off of them. Uh, this just wasn't around back then. So, uh-huh. so there was no like, you know, like famously with the return Lynch walked away and announced it on Twitter to get, and it got a big following to pressure showtime and to getting him the budget he wanted. So, I mean, <laughs> it, this is just a different time. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then we get more D plot, very little. Uh, Nadine comes home. The Nadine shit show, I call the, it. The Nadine shit show starts to happen. Uh, you know, that blah, blah, blah. The only thing that really stood out to me on this one was when she pulled the fridge door off and she goes to yank it up. Did you notice the weird sped up cut that they did? Did you catch that? A little bit. The thing that stood out to me was they make a reference to Jacoby, who is still kind of a, he's a suspect in this murder trial. He's in Hawaii. He's in Hawaii. He's it's, in Hawaii. <laughs> it's a throwaway line, but it really upset me. Yeah, yeah. Are you thinking about uh, having her go see Doctor Jacoby? Nah, he's in uh, he's in Hawaii recovering from his from his heart attack or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, and it's so unfortunate because I when Ed's on, I love Ed. He's such a great actor, and he's a good character, and he deserved better than this as well. Did, did, did you not agree with that? Yeah. Uh, you can tell that he's not interested, the actor. It just doesn't seem like he's in it with this whole this whole plot. It the Nadine, we've 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 made it apparent that she, her character story would have been more impactful if she would have just kicked the bucket like it was originally intended, I think, for at the end of season one. I completely agree. Yeah. But now she's like a superhuman who's stuck at 18, and it's just, this is quirk for the sake of quirk, and it's, that's just always, it's like weird for the sake of weird. It, it weird doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work if you're just doing something for the sake of it. It's just, yeah. you gotta have something. It's like, I was thinking about this too when I was watching it. You know, I was thinking of uh, why I feel like if there's a perfect, like, spiritual cousin to the pilot and how it's balanced it would be like the movie fargo where you get the quirk but it's not yes it's not overdone and so like even they have these quirks there's that sense of menace and it's so easy for that just to kind of fall apart when you lean heavily on the comedic side or the you know, you're leaning on quirk for the sake of quirk, and this is what happens in season two, and it, yeah. it d- starts to fall apart. Yes, the the quirk gets it. It becomes like, but then it becomes less quirky and almost slapsticky, and I hate it. Um, kind of that that you know that vibe. It's 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 kind of like you know when you look at airplane, right? Uh, for what it is, why does airplane work and say disaster movie doesn't? You know what I mean? Because you've got to have some intelligence and some wit and some reason to it to help balance it out. And 
you're exactly right. I, I kind of started to feel like in this episode, I'm like, okay, now they're getting weird or getting quirky for the sake of quirky, not because it's adding to the town or to the story. No, it's just padding the episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, they, they, they use it as padding, and that's the problem. And that's like is that's what made season one work so great because there was very little padding, just mm-hmm. because it was mostly plot orientated. Even when it delved into like the C and D plots, it treated it with respect. Which yes. this, now it's not being treated with respect; it's being treated with camp. Mm-hmm. Yes, hundred percent. Well, speaking of quirk. And camp, and, and camp. I'd say a little bit of racism too. Yeah, we still. I don't want to get in this quite yet, uh, because I don't want to give give it away till we get to the reveal. I will get to the massive racism, but there is racism going on here, with Ben Horn meeting with Mister Toji uh, Tujimura. Tujimura, yeah. Uh, Tujimura is just kind of sitting in his office. Mm-hmm. And you know, and we got Hank Jennings kind of like. Hiding in like the wood panels and look, this this is like doubling down on the idiocy of the Ghostwood project from season one. In that yes. I don't understand what the hell they're doing because it doesn't make sense that they're taking now they're now they're entertaining taking money from this Japanese investor with the Icelanders and just kind of pocketing it. I don't understand what the point is here. But Ben just has a five million check. Five million dollar check fall on his lap. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. Um. <laughs> because it makes no sense to me. It doesn't. I'm not a business guy, but it seems like if none of this makes sense <laughs> logically, I just I can't figure out the thread to this. Logic. Well, yeah, because he's already got the deal signed, right? <clears throat> he's already got the deal signed by the. By the uh, Icelanders. Icelanders, right. Because first it was the Norwegians, then it was the Icelanders, now it's the Japanese. Knowing what we know, I want to talk briefly about this, and I want to give it away. Knowing what we know and what and what and who Tajimura turns out to be and how this plot line, where it goes. How the fuck did this person get $5 million from an Asian investment group and a perspective in the number of days that it would take them to really get this. Also, even though there's a Stop Ghostwood Project sign out there, this was still a secret fucking deal. So wouldn't that also throw Ben Horn off and go, wait a minute, what is this? And why does he have a fucking check made out to Ben Horn for $5 million? Which becomes a problem later, by the way, that that check's actually made out to Ben Horn for $5 million. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, instead they, he decides he's going to take this $5 million dollars which makes me wonder how much he got from the Norwegians. And it, it doesn't make sense. It, it really, I feel like this part of it, when the writers were doing it, they weren't thinking about anything business sense or anything. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't think they were thinking. This mm-hmm. makes zero sense to me, even in the long run and how it turns out. I think there was a better way of doing it. Uh-huh. Yeah, they would at least try to make sense as, you know, the reveal, maybe the person who is behind Mr. Tajamora. Right. Would at least, like, we know maybe where some of these funds could have came from. Right. But right. We, but now we're just we're under the assumption that this, this stranger shows up at the Great Northern to get in, in on the worst business deal in television history. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and and 
um, Horn doesn't want to, Ben doesn't want to deal with this because he's, he's got Cooper on the way to talk about getting him, because uh, uh, they got a call coming in from the kidnappers of Audrey. Yeah. Or are you saying uh, the businessman doesn't want the, the feds going about the world's bit worse business deal? Oh my God. What the fuck? Yeah. And he makes more bad deals and more bad decisions. And yeah, the Civil War general. We'll get to that when we get we'll to get that. that when we get to that part. But yeah, so anyway, so yeah, they get the, you know, Ben doesn't know that Cooper knows where Audrey actually is. They set up this convoluted deal where Cooper has to drop off $125,000. Um, he leaves. It's like an and, abandoned amusement park or something. Yeah, in Canada. And because <laughs> <laughs> there's tons of those. Man, Six uh, Flags Canada just did not work out. <laughs> was there a Disneyland Canada? I can't remember. Um, so, yeah. So then he wants to, then he sends Hank. And why we find out Hank's there is because uh, fucking Hank is supposed to follow Cooper and the money and make sure that Audrey, get to get Audrey back and the money back, which is just would have just caused all sorts of issues. Yeah, but, but under the impression that Cooper isn't coming back. So I... Now, the logic to this is he thinks that Hank, this schmuck, is going to be able to overpower not only Agent Cooper, who we've seen has prowess in martial arts, gun training, and all sorts of craziness, on top of hired goons from Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Hank Jennings, the guy who just sucks on dominoes and got his ass handed to him in the last episode we watched. Right, right. Yeah, and he got beat up pretty good. Where's his marks? Where's his uh, Where's his stuff? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cracks yeah. are showing, people. The yeah, the cracks. cracks the cracks are showing. So then we get to uh, oh God, and then Michael Parks. Uh, oh, no, wait, not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. We, we got Donna and Maddie edging a scheme. Yes, we got Donna and Maddie for Donna's Nancy Drew mystery. And Donna's still pissed off at uh, at Maddie and kind of passive-aggressively uses that against her to get her to help. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. is just... All over the place I, this season. Yeah, totally. She's all over it. I just... Mm. Again, it's it feels like creative... Heads are budding and clashing at this point where they just don't know what to do with Donna and Maddie and James. And that's telling because we don't see a whole lot of James in this episode. No. This this is the the decline of James in that he's not that essential to the story. No, and I think that's part of it. Well, I think also this had to deal with the fact that you had Laura Flynn Boyle going on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have that whole fucking deal going on. I think this is part of it. So now we get to Michael Parks. And I, I got to, I still, I love Michael Parks so much. He's in so many like movies. I, he, like, we've brought it up. He plays like the same sheriff from, in, from Dusk Till Dawn to mm-hmm. Kill Bill. Like he's like, the, he has this like sheriff character that just shows up in these Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez movies. Yes. I love him. He's just, He's a great character actor. He's great in like horror movies and whatever. Here he's doing his best taxi driver thing. Like, <laughs> the, 
thing on his sleeve to pull a gun out or something. It was a knife, not a gun. It was the, the knife. knife. Oh, yeah, so he, it's the, 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 the yes. So Travis Bickle smarter than John Renault is what we're saying. A little bit, a little bit. A <laughs> At little least bit. he brought a gun to a knife fight. S- side note: Did you ever watch Spiker yet? Not yet. Okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Let me know when you see Spiker because I think you're gonna really enjoy that. Um, and yeah, he just it's 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 fantastic. Um, and they're gonna so the plan is they're gonna hot shot Audrey so they yes. don't have to deal with her because she's the only one that can link Blackie and One Eyed Jacks and the Renaults to Ben, which would yep. be catastrophic for these two bit. Because Ben's a multimillionaire. He has resources, even though he goes to schmucks like Leo Johnson for some reason. Well, and here we get bad business deal number two, right? <laughs> um, uh, what you have is they want to use the... So they're going to... they're gonna. He's going to use... Yes, they're going to OD um, Audrey. And then the idea with the knife that shoots out is when they're doing the exchange, she's going to stab Cooper with it. Then they want to use that money, the $125,000, to buy out Ben Horn and make an own one-eyed jacks. It's a brothel and a casino. I'm assuming it's worth more than $125,000. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Maybe it's a Trump casino? <laughs> I mean, those would be worth less than a hundred thousand, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he bankrupted them. Yeah, I mean, if you can't make money off a casino, <laughs> they're not worth shit. Topical humor. Anyway, Topical yeah, humor. So no, I mean, it's not, but yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself. Okay, I know it's over the border. I know it's in Canada, but. It's a casino brothel. That's got to be bringing in a lot of money. I mean, the chips, they have $1,000 ch- poker chips. It's a, it's a combination that should just be a money machine for them. Yeah, and they're going to sit there and do $125,000, which Ben Horn has no problem getting. And we know that he's not making the money off his other thing. Um, and um, we know... Uh, you know what I mean? I like. I'm just thinking. One hundred twenty-five thousand dollars is a little low if you're trying to buy out a fucking brothel casino. Now I haven't bought out a brothel casino yet, but I would imagine it's going to cost me a lot more than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and an OD daughter. <laughs> yeah, unless it's a Trump one. Unless it's a Trump one. Well, no, because he'll he'll do it just for just so if I OD Tiffany, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we know how if. You know, Ivanka was in, <laughs> in that room with them, like Audrey and Ben. But let's, that's more of a Trump's fantasy than our fantasy, I'd imagine. Right. So, yeah, so, so that happens. Well, now we cut to Andy. Andy, Andy, he's the whole damn town. Yeah, he's the whole damn town. I don't care. This is getting into his terrible, terrible, terrible F plot of Andy could be the father of Lucy's child. I don't care at this point. I just don't care. I this is, yeah. This is I'm bad. I'm just out with this. I don't give a shit. 
Yeah, the only thing I liked is how excited he was that he was a whole damn town. Yeah, and apparently the um, the can do girl can't do because she didn't show up. Yeah, she didn't show up, so they put Andy on desk, which is probably you know probably for the best. Uh, agreed. <laughs> and so, but we do get some uh, some information uh, that Mike. Uh, Phil Girard has not been seen in a few days, and that the medication he uses has a weird smell to it. And no, they haven't gotten to that part yet. Nope. Okay. Yeah. No, they yep, bring it right. up here. They do bring it up here that because Hawk has some of it from his room. Oh yes, deep smell, deep smell, deep smell. Yep, yeah, deep smell to it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's another part where they bring up in the next that, episode. The yes. next episode, but gets yes. more to it. Yeah. So. Then, um, yeah, I Donna's pervy story to Harold. Oh God! Oh, this part was uncomfortable. You know what? You weren't rock hard listening to her story. <laughs> no, not with Josh, Rick, and Tim uh, from the Roadhouse. I no. thought it was Squee, <laughs> <laughs> Tobin, Tobin, Squee, and uh... oh God. Oh God! And uh, Epps, was Epstein in there as well? Was, it, was, was Epstein, <laughs> Epstein in there? Epstein, and Squee. <laughs> they like <laughs> beer. <laughs> they like beer. <laughs> oh God! Dude, they like beer. Oh God! Grave. <laughs> oh God! But yeah, so Don has this really just kind of pervy story where Donna is getting. Three te- three teamed. Or is getting three teamed by these guys because Donna swam away. Yeah, you know, and what's 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 very interesting to me on this. And Harold is, thought it was a beautiful story. Yes, yeah. Well, Harold thought it was a beautiful story, but <laughs> if you remember in Fire Walk with Me, this is very, very, very similar to what went on at the Bang Bang Bar at at the Roadhouse. Yeah. Well, that no, that wasn't the Roadhouse in Firewalk with me. That was, a was the ba- yeah. That was, I'm sorry. That was the Bang Bang Bar. That was the Bang Bang Bar in ha- Firewalk with me. I, th- I thought it was, wasn't it? I thought it was in Canada. Me? Okay. I. I, I think I thought it was. I thought it was the bar that. I thought they just. Oh, that was that. Uh, spoilers that uh, Sarah Palmer goes to in uh, the Return. Oh, maybe it is. And shows mm-hmm. her face yeah okay maybe maybe it is I, all they all i know is it's similar to the bar okay it's similar because to the jacques bar. working there well jacques there but he's more like running the prostitutes i don't think the bang bang bar is gonna have like uh an orgy room true it's called, it's called the pink room the pink room talk with me but yeah but it's very similar anyway the point is is that it's a very similar to the pink room story right yeah where they're yeah just well yeah the, <laughs> yeah I mean, both stories are pretty pervy. <laughs> yes. Yes. We just happen yeah. to see it in Firewalk with me. But this yep. kind of shows that this isn't Donna's first exposure to Laura's uh, other life. Yes. And it was, and again, uh, you know, he's talking about this beautiful, I never saw Tim again. What a beautiful story. It was the first time I fell in love. What? What the fuck, Donna? Okay, maybe you need to be going to therapy. Maybe you need to be seeing Jacoby. Um, <laughs> I've never felt so in love than seeing Donna get banged by three, Laura get banged by three dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true love that day. 
what? <laughs> yes. Um, so it's just, oh, it's so fucked up. So, yeah, Harold is getting rock, is getting hard on this one and really wants to fuck Don after hearing her hanging out with, uh, with three fucking um, backwoodsmen's named Josh, Rick, and Tim. Um, meanwhile... <laughs> What about Tobin and Squee? Tobin and Squee and, and Epstein. Uh, <laughs> can't forget Epstein. Um, so then then it cuts back to... And uh, the other thing I, I, I have issues with this is, again, it, when... So again, I know we're jumping ahead to, the, uh, to Firewalk with me, but when that happened and Laura saw what was going on in the pink room, Laura lost her shit. Yeah, because Donna was drugged. Well, yeah, but I mean, even here, Donna is skinny dipping with these guys and making out with one of them. And, you know, Don, and Laura wants, you know, basically get three hold. And I well, was, Laura's making money. She's prostituting and fire walk. With these yeah, guys. that's where true. Donna wasn't this, you know. Yeah, I wonder if but maybe I, I don't. I just does this not does this not feel like it's not really in Donna's character to be in that situation? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it at all. I mean, it felt the way they do it in Fire Walk with me. It felt a little more natural. Mm-hmm. But then again, they kept the character consistent in Fire Walk with me instead of being tonally all over the map. Oh God. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's just yeah the tonal shifts here of Donna's character in the. It's just infuriating. Moving on, fucking eight. Where now we get to the uh, to the raid on the on the on one eyed jacks. And let me just say, Cooper is an FBI agent. Uh, Harry Truman is a lawman from Washington. They're on an <laughs> international soil mm-hmm. doing vigilante justice. Oh God! And it is vigilante. I mean, this is commando. This is nineteen eighties commandos here. So, yep, and they they sneak in. They don't, you know, no masks, no disguises this time, and kind of get their way in. And um, Harry somehow knows that who those people are. Yeah, he would know who Jean is at least. Yeah, I suppose he he has run-ins with the Renaults. Yeah, yep. So he would know who Jean is. So. So they're getting they're getting the, the smack needle made up and Harry stays and then they go. And then we get then they cut back to Donna and Harold. Um where yeah, they Harold's make yammering on about flowers or whatever. Yep, and he finally kisses her. He makes his move, kisses her, and then he has to go jerk off. Um he wants to get some mouthwash after that taste of cigarettes and bourbon out of her. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> probably had to get some of the, probably his tongue was tingling from the coke that she gummy. <laughs> I can't feel my tongue. I can't feel my tongue. I gotta go to this. Um, so well, then, yeah. Cooper, just, Cooper gets spotted by Blackie's sister. Yeah. And, like, she forces her to bring him to Audrey. And when she tries to pull a knife, Cooper has no qualms. He just beats the shit out of her. He gut punched, like, he punched her in the womb, dude. Yeah, like, she, she's never having kids again. No, like, no. crushed. Yeah, he broke her ovaries on that punch, dude. Did you hear the sound effect of that? That was brutal. 
Um, it was a really blunt punch to the fuck. Yeah, all of her eggs are crushed, dude. No babies. John and Blackie are not making babies anytime soon. But what's really interesting is that she, you know, she she plays the whole. I'm sorry, I didn't know. He tells her to shut up, and then and then he can see the mirror that she's taken out. I mean, again, it just goes to show how awesome Cooper is, and that she's pulling the the, the knife out that they foreshadowed earlier out of her um, out of her sock. And so yeah, then he beats the shit out of her, and then John kills Blackie with the hidden knife. Um, and then he starts shooting at Truman with, um, with a silencer. Didn't see a silencer on that gun. It would look like a little pea shooter too. Like, why would you fit a silencer on that? That's my point, right? I mean, yeah, that's like a fucking Saturday night special. Yeah. I don't know anything about guns. I don't know much about guns, but I just, I don't know if you can put a silencer on a little snub nosed or whatever. I could be wrong. no. No, no, you can't. So that was the weird thing. Like, like, and again, a silencer is, is fairly long. And I mean, you know, what you see in a silencer in a movie is not what a silencer sounds like in real life. No, because the silencers are still loud. Because gunshots are incredibly loud. Like, if you've never shot a gun before, they're fucking loud. And even with a silencer, it's still loud. It's just not as loud. Yes. Yes. And the, so, I mean, you know, but you can't put a silencer on a gun like that it doesn't a little snub nose yeah gun. it doesn't work no yeah. it doesn't work so, so anyways they're, so, so they're carrying audrey out because john renault's a quick one he just he escapes he escapes really fast this is my favorite thing he's like they're walking to the exit and a guy who looks almost exactly like john taffert from bar rescue is the guy or goon like I saw that, and I was just like, "Oh, John Taffer's here to yell at the bar, <laughs> give <him> drinks, <laughs> and like yell at the hookers, like you're not charging enough. What is this?" Right. But Hawk throws a knife in his back. Yes, that was awesome. By the way. Yeah, Hawk is one of my favorite characters. In the Hawk show. is the shit. Hawk is the absolute shit. And like uh, Secret History made me just love him even more. And then he plays such a big role in the return too. Is uh, I love Hawk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. And he threw that knife and killed that dude. Yeah, right. he killed a guy he on international him. soil. He killed a guy on Remember international. Remember Bobby soil. killed that cop because I don't. I'm never gonna forget the time Bobby Briggs killed a cop. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna forget yeah. every review, even if Bobby's not in the episode. I have to remind people that Bobby Briggs killed a cop. Dude, Bobby Briggs killed a cop. And then he became a cop, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, so then... Can we uh, go back to Harold's now. Nope, not yet. Not oh, yet. Wait, no. Hank. Yeah, Hank. He, he has the D... Because he, he pocketed the, the DA's uh, wallet. So now John thinks Hank is part of the... District Attorney's Office in Washington State. Well, and this is the funny thing. Does he? Because he goes, he does say, oh, yeah, he's a fat one. Or she makes a comment about, about Ludwig's weight. Wait. So I, I, I don't, it, it's, it's, yeah, I, it, what the fuck? And he doesn't look anything, and because it has a picture of him, right? It has his picture on the badge. I don't know. All white people look the same to me, Paul. All right. Fair enough. So now, now we get back to Harold's. Yeah. Where Harold gets deceived. Uh, Donna, you know, 
She ushers Maddie in. Maddie's just fucking butterfingers or fucking just klutzing around like she she finds the hidden passage and like the shelf just like falls right out hitting Harold's attention and Harold sees that he's been duped Harold's pissed and now he's got this claw thing that already has blood on it okay thank you I wanted to see if you I knew you were gonna catch it but I wanted to bring that up yeah the blood like because like when he brings he brushes it by his face he gets a bit of blood on his cheek yep yep to prove how upset he is, he claws his face. Yes. With what looks like smeared ketchup. That's on. <laughs> so. He just this... looks like a toddler who just went crazy with fries and ketchup. Yeah, it looks, it's so bad. It's so fakey. So this ends this particular episode. So you had, um, I, I, I don't know. Um. What do you uh, well? Let's okay because really to me this is a two parter because yeah, the next episode picks oh, immediately up where we left off. Yeah, he's scratching his face. Yep. Yeah, we're yep. picking up with like, uh, and uh, it's just it's so stupid. It's so what they do is like you know Harold freaks out and he wants you know they're about to t- this is this is the second time that. Donna ends up leaving the diary with Harold because <laughs> she's not good at this. Harold yeah. goes after them because he wants the diary. James comes in out of nowhere, kind of like blocks him, and then like they all run out and they drop it, and he just kind of Harold just keeps the diary, so he still has the diary. So yeah, this and, is all for no good I, reason. And what I love is there's three of them, and all he has is a fucking gardening, a, a tiny-ass gardening rake. They could have easily had overwhelmed him and gotten that diary. Yeah, but they did. But they did. They didn't. Uh, you know, I mean. But, but yeah, then, they're breaking into his house, trying to steal his property. I mean, it, this will go back to, like, in law enforcement, even if that diary is considered... Even if it named the killer of Laura Palmer, the how they went about to get it would have just, it would have been inadmissible. Yeah, it, yes. So that's, a, that's a big if, if it said. It doesn't. It doesn't say who killed Laura Palmer. So there's a couple of interesting things that happen here. Um, but James, wait, I just, before we, James does have, Donna finally says to James, maybe we should just go to the sheriff. You should have done this. Yes. <laughs> episodes ago. Yes, absolutely. He does. And so, um, yeah, which they just should have done that a long time ago, like when you had the fucking necklace. Um, So a couple of things here that happened I thought were really interesting and lead to a conversation we had in the last episode, which was Harold makes comments that that Don is a liar, that that he that she's unclean and she contaminated him. Um, And then. When he, they're, he turns into Ruxin from the league. Forever unclean! <laughs> <laughs> so then, but did you notice that he's, he sounded like Bob? They use like the Bob effect, the howling that he does in his house? Yeah, that's why another reason why I kind of feel like he might have been lodge adjacent, like lodge sensitive, if you will. Yeah. 
Yeah, that yeah, that's that's very much where it comes. I mean, I wonder if he wasn't a, like I said. I wonder if he wasn't a lodge, or at least housing something from the lodge. Yeah, I think he might have been housing because the when they do go to his house, uh, that'll be in the next episode, I believe, or maybe the episode after the reveal. That you know, he he is he is very much a person in this world, and he's uh, you know. Well, yes, but there is something. That comes up with that later, but we'll get to that when we get there, right? So, next, uh, Coop, Audrey, and, and uh, I mean, Coop, Truman, and Hawk take Audrey to the book house. Not a hospital. Not a hospital. She's detoxing on heroin. A very, uh, very difficult thing to de- detox from, considering it, you, you know, it's, yeah, it's something you want <laughs> to happen in a hospital, not in the book house. Right. I mean, granted, she wasn't on it as for a super long time, but I, I would probably play it safe and bring her to Doc Hayward at least. Yeah, that's my thought. Why Doc Hayward's been in everything so far? Why the fuck isn't he there for this? Um. So yeah, they once again we get the awesome chemistry between uh, Sherilyn Flynn and. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, they're just awesome whenever they're on screen together. Um, so that was the uh, you know, that's super shitty. Um, so then they're just kind of you know doing their thing, and then James and Donna are sent home, and that's about it. They make out, and yeah. then then they're back. So they leave Donna at the book house with Hay- with with Hawk, I'm assuming. Yeah, they keep her there. And then Cooper, he's kind of having a realization that he's been fucking up a lot. Uh-huh. He's violated his job. Like, it's kind of hitting home now. Like, he may have, cr- in his mind, I may have, may have made a huge mistake here. Yes. And they're going through the mugshots. And they see that Sean Renault. And, um,. You know, it's the, the this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He was the intended. Audrey was the bait. He gets upset. He realizes that he's totally fucked up, and Truman kind of talks him down a little bit, and they calm down. And then Cooper runs into Ben, and gives him the ransom money and tells him that it, she was being held at One Eye Jacks. Yeah, he and, doesn't care about any of this until he brings up the fact that they're going to die. OD her and she's like detoxing off of heroin right now. That's when Ben's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, they tried to kill my daughter. Like this wasn't this wasn't like the games he plays with other things. Like this is like, oh shit, this is serious. That you was kinda, you kind of see that in Ben there. Yeah. And it's the one time when he hugs Cooper that you actually start to see some what I felt was genuine emotion from and concern from Ben Horn. Yeah, I mean he has it. He's a he's a he's a real big prick, but like I when it comes to like family matters, he he generally seems to care. And they make it more apparent and also in secret history. Yes, they do. They make it very apparent in secret history. So then we get D plot. Yeah. Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld to Lady Vince's boss. Yes, the insurance man. <laughs> And Leo's in the cheapest wheelchair they could find. 
and they get the check and what is it for like 700 bucks 700 bucks a month yep because the the insurance company's just milking them for all so they basically they're getting scammed their intention was to scam the insurance company but then the insurance company flipped it back on them and is scamming them yes because he's and... administrative costs and all this like he's just fleecing them yeah and you know this is you know at that point you know, I feel like the better ending of this would have been um, they just fucking take Leo out and back and kill him. Like, that would have been best. Just put him yeah. in the lake. Just put him in the lake. Let's yeah, get just roll him down to the lake. and Yep, roll him down the lake. Um, so then Donna is finally at the sheriff's station telling Truman um, about Harold. Um, and... <clears throat> Harry's kind of annoyed by this too. Harry, he's like, "Stop it with your Donna Drew mysteries." Yeah, just knock it off. But we finally, we finally meet Gordon Cole. We oh, finally yeah. get David Lynch doing his Hitchcocky and you know, yep. camp. but he instead of doing a cam, he's like, he just, I'm a full on character. Damn it, I'm a, I'm gonna be a character, which is really interesting because he didn't write this episode. And everything that was going on, he wasn't too happy with what the show was. So it seemed very interesting to me that he was in this. You know what I mean? Also, like, in the dregs, he would also do the voiceover phone call to Cooper. Mm -hmm. In, like, some of the later episodes when he was pretty much done. But I think he just... I think he liked playing the character enough to that he would just let it go just because he was having fun. It's kind of like Larry David did the same thing in Seinfeld when he left. He still played... Did the voice of George Steinbrenner, even though he true. had nothing with the show anymore. Yeah, true. All right. All right. Fair enough. I like that. Um, so Gordon, <laughs> Gordon comes in yelling because yep. he is hard of hearing. He can't hear. He, has, it's, he says his, uh, his uh, <laughs> those things, hearing aids are up to the max and he still struggles due to something that happened in the past. And I'm trying to remember. I don't even know if Secret History even went into what happened to Gordon Cole's hearing. Yeah. So they. So yeah, they, they do the snap. Gordon Cooper, good to see ya. <laughs> yeah, but it's just Harry. Like, yeah. He's yep. misunderstanding everything. He's like, "Come to my office." No, I have already ate breakfast. Yep, he's misunderstanding everything. And um, so they, he takes him in the office to have a private conversation. And everyone can hear it. And he basically dresses down Cooper hard. Yeah. As he should. Cooper. As he should. But he does fill us in on uh, Albert. Well, Cooper's not here yet. We're still with Harry. Uh, he's telling Harry, though, about Albert's findings. And he says there is, he's Albert, the drug of uh, Phil Gerard, is a drug, that, drug they have never seen before. And they get into it a little bit yes. later. But then the one-armed man walks by, and, <laughs> and Gordon Cole just screams, just screams, there's the one-armer now! Yeah, there's the one-armer. He calls him the one-armer. <laughs> there's the one-armer now! Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so they find out that um, that they couldn't, that they have, a, you know, it's a really strange med- medicine that he's on, and that Cooper shot from someone wearing a vacuna coat. Which, if you're paying attention, probably only one person in town has a vacuna coat. Yeah. Uh, maybe a person who 
goes on elaborate shopping sprees because this person might have that kind of cash. That person might have that kind of cash. And the paper found near um, near the bloody towel on the tracks was from a diary. So that also leads more credence to what Donna was saying. Yeah. Yeah, there's the diary. But this is uh, the diary papers, as we see in Firewalk. Is it from the secret diary or is, is it from her other? I think it's from the secret diary. Then that's why Laura hides it with Harold. I think so. Because she comes home and finds Bob pilfering through her stuff. Yes, and I think it's from the actual secret one, not the original one. Yeah, I, that would make yep, sense. Yep, yep. Yeah. Although, I think they do say that there was pages missing out of her normal diary, too. So, I, I, it could be from either. I don't know. So, yeah, we'll get into that, because in the return, we find there's at least one page we'll never really find out about. Mm-hmm. But so we get into more uh, Audrey's coming out of her uh, coming out of our drug stupor, uh, mm-hmm. and she's kind of like she's pissed at her dad. Oh, she's <laughs> she's so like, pissed. I saw things, and like it didn't feel like Ben was picking up on what she was hitting at. <laughs> no, well, I think it was enough by the end though because he wasn't going to let Cooper, Cooper driver home. Trooper driver home. I think he kind of figured some stuff out. Yeah. So we get some of that, and then we get the not Nadine nonsense. Don't care. <laughs> we get to Josie now. Josie, this scene was pretty menacing. Uh, it's implied that Josie just got raped. Yeah, by that uh, that uh, Japanese John- man that we've Jonathan. seen. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. And he wants. Yeah. It's. It mean. It's not like this. Didn't seem consensual. Uh, no. no no and the way he's treating her like basically wants her to get back to japan for mr eckhart uh which is yeah the eckhart thing storyline will come more will come when it comes yeah. um a whole bunch of who gives a fuck is basically my stance on eckhart um yeah and then i think we get a little bit of Nadine, which was just she's still convinced that she's young. I don't know. It was yeah. her it was, parents are still in Europe. Who who gives a f- yeah? Her parents are in Europe. That's right. Fuck. That's right. Sorry. Parents. Sorry, listeners, if you're really into that Nadine storyline, we're not. <laughs> and I really don't want to dwell on it as more than I have to. Uh, then we get now. This is this is heartbreaking in a sense in that. What we know is coming in the next episode is mate Maddie is sitting at the dock and we get the actually get like the full Twin Peaks theme song going. Yes. And James comes riding up and they're kind of talking about like, wow, it's been a crazy couple days. Huh? You know, like, you know, we buried your cousin and now we're like, you know, we gave a man a heart attack and like another guy who we drove insane. Wow. It's been a real whirlwind. Cocaine was planted in my motors. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been a weird three days, huh? Yeah, that's you know, and that's the other thing um, that I, you know, I was thinking about. This is that it's crazy to me because, um, you know, I, I was. It felt a lot. Obviously, it was longer. You know, it felt longer than than what it actually was in the show. But I was kind of saying to myself, you know. She took a couple days off. The funeral was 
fucking season one. How long has she been off of work? <laughs> you know, for her cousin's death. You know, fuck oh, most jobs I've worked at. You know, you get like fucking three days of bereavement for fucking, you know, immediate family. You don't get dick for fucking cousins that aren't even in the same fucking state. Yeah. Is she supposed to be older than Laura? I don't yeah. know. If what, I did you so. say that? Because I wasn't even sure. I thought she might have been the same age. No, but I think question, like, where are Maddie's yeah. parents during all this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was wondering, too. Where's Maddie's parents? And I think she makes mention, sorry, my mic moved, that she has a job um, that she needed to get back to. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like, it felt like she had no life outside of Twin Peaks, right? Yeah, it's been a weird three days, Paul. <laughs> a lot has happened. A lot has happened. <laughs> Three days. So, oh, the other thing that we missed going back just a little bit was that um, um, Truman shows up with well, after Josie's rape, and um, she tells him that she's leaving for Hong Kong. She sold the mill. He's out, and it just devastates him because he's in love with her and tells her that he loves her and all that kind of happy shit. Okay, so now. Getting back to this conversation, go ahead, Joe, because this is, as you said, a sad scene. So, you know, they're kind of reflecting on the past few days. And then she's like, I'm going to go home. She's going back to Missoula, I think is what she said. Missoula, Montana is where she lives. Yep, Missoula, Montana. She's going there the next day. And it's just heartbreaking because, you know, I like Maddie as a character. I don't think she was fleshed out, but like, given Maddie doesn't make it. (laughs) <laughs> to Montana is what I'm going to say. Uh, she is the, I mean, she's basically a plot device to, for the reveal. Yes. Which will come up next episode. <sighs> yeah. So it's just heartbreaking because she doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, so it kind of has a little more of a, yeah, more of a de- downing, more depressing every time I see this, just because, like, you know, she's a nice enough character. And it's just like knowing what happens is like, oh, Jesus. She's a very nice character. She's a very great character. And um, so, yeah, they, you know, they do the whole thing. They do the scene out there and they kind of, you know, explain things. And then you find out that, you know, she, you know, they kind of, that those two did actually start to kind of have feelings for each other, which is kind of odd in a way but you know it is what it is and then james is like so i guess this is goodbye and she's like yeah and it's just like uh yeah yep yeah this is the last time you guys are talking this is the last time you guys are talking and she just walks off so then we get back to d plot d plot <laughs> but i do like this josie and ben they yes uh, josie wants the money because she has to go back to japan now she has the Hong Kong and she has uh, Pete's signature on the Wichimahuzi on the cell of the mill cell of the mill but she she's not going to give it to Ben until she gets her cut and he's just like well I mean we have to wait for all the, you know he's bullshitting he doesn't want to pay her he's, right. he, I'm sure he has a plan where he just cuts her out completely and she's like no you get it now or you're not getting the, you're not getting these papers and then we kind of have like this uh, kind of standoff. And it's funny because Ben's like, I have a dossier with all this information on you. And she's like, yeah, see, the, if I go missing, this is going to lead to people to this uh, safe deposit box with all this incriminating evidence that will put you in prison for three lifetimes. 
Right, right. Where she's yeah. basically like, fuck you, Hayseed. Like, you don't know who you're messing with. Well, and that, you know, that's the other thing. Again, when you look at the secret history and you know, like, this is far more interesting to me. Like, I, that's, I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy this more. Is yeah. because you know what Josie is and you're just like, dude, uh, you do not want to fuck with this. You do not want to fuck with this Ben Horn at all. So, yeah, so eventually they, they, he signs over the check and, the five million dollar check that Mr. Tajamar <laughs> gave him, which is in his name, not hers. How the fuck is she gonna cash that? Maybe he scribbled out his name and put hers. <laughs> I, what the fuck? I mean, and five million—that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's but you know a bank teller's not gonna bat an eye with a name scribbled out and put another name put in for five million dollars, right? Right, and so then it makes me wonder. Okay, so you got the so is that how it must have been the the sell of the mill. Yeah, the how much was that? I mean, if five million dollars, he's like, yeah, you know, win some, lose some, whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, there's just the five million. I think in Ben's mind, it's peanuts based to like the development that he has planned for mm-hmm. Ghostwood and the and the. So I think it's just like. It's a it's a hit definitely, but I think he knows he's gonna make his money eventually out of it anyway. So it's just like all right, better yeah. than, better to placate her than make a scene. But again, Josie got five million dollars out of fucking Ben Horn, five million out of Ben Horn, and the fucking ransoming drug people wanted one hundred twenty five thousand, and they were gonna kill his daughter for it. You know what I mean? And he was like, all like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Fucking crazy, right? Like that's that's what it meant to well, me. I mean, so, Ben's like us; we don't take Canadians seriously. Yeah, that's true. They got goofy heads. So, um, oh, oh no. Okay, now I'm seeing my notes. Uh, Bobby, Shelley, and Leo are having a party. Oh God, I hated this. This is when, yeah, Leo should have been written out. I don't know what was going on with Bobby's character, where all of a sudden it's just like he's not into Shelley anymore. Well, yeah, he starts slowly just like not giving a crap that he put her in this really crappy situation. Yeah, considering that they that they wrote him in the beginning of the season that these two were 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 really going to be together and do these cool, you know, have their own kind of plot going, and then also like all of a sudden they, they're now they're concerned about Leo, like oh man, Leo, no, you know, I guess we got a little out of hand. Sorry, Leo. This is a guy that's well, they become concerned is when. Shelly sees Leo move. Well, yes, I understand that. But, I mean, again, I also just felt like, dude, this is a guy that tried to fucking kill you and do all this shit. And, you know, just let him fucking drown in the cake. Say, just kill him off. Say, oh, my God, I wasn't paying attention. He drowned in the soup bowl. Yeah, it's, they they should have just killed Leo, too, at this point. Because Leo doesn't even have anything. And, like, even, like, he does come become like a somewhat he's not even important in the Wyndham Earl story like he's just more of like a, a Wyndham Earl's play thing for torture fuck it sucks it, it sucks. Fucking sucks it's just like I, if I was Eric DeRay I would have been like what am I doing like you guys like they just basically weakened at burning him right essentially essentially so then we get to Cole and Cooper right Today, you remind me of a small Mexican chihuahua. What is this about a chihuahua? Yeah. Um, 
have a feeling Lynch ad-libbed that one. I have a feeling as well. Um, so then they go so back. They got to speak have... in private too. Yeah, they yep, got to speak. Gotta... <laughs> they got to speak in private, which doesn't happen. With the world's and... loudest man. Yep, and this is where he gets dressed down again. Um, where he says, says Albert thinks he's over his head that he got shot in Pittsburgh, and you know this visibly affects Cooper. Right. Yeah. It brings back what happened in Pittsburgh, which is connected to what uh, Gordon lays down next, because we'll find out Pittsburgh, something went awry on a case, and it's because Cooper got too involved. Yep. And um, and the Bureau got an anonymous letter sent. It just says P to K4. And this is Wyndham Earl starting to play games. And, like, it... it I you like this for building. Like this for You like this for like Go ahead. Wyndham Earl will get into it, but I think it was a great idea and concept in that there's somebody who is more someone who's because so far in Twin Peaks, Cooper's always been the smartest guy in the room. Absolutely. And what they were building with Wyndham Earl as his foil is that Wyndham Earl's smarter than Cooper, and he's more conniving than Cooper. He's like evil Cooper. So like when Cooper kind of like puts on you know, the blinders so he doesn't see, like, a lot of it. Like, Wyndham Earl's not inhabited. He's not constrained by rules or anything, which would have made for a much more interesting character. Agreed. Agreed. And I feel like, you know, when they set this up, yes, I liked it. I liked it. Like, I liked it, and it was like, to me, it was like, if yeah, if they're going to do the reveal, like, they... (sighs) And what they didn't do is like they after the reveal they should have brought Wyndham Earl in full, full power at that point because they just sit around and not do anything for fucking uh, ten episodes. Yeah, it fucking sucks. So then, after Ben has a Ben experiencing what happened with 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 um, Audrey, he genuinely actually starts to understand is like, hey, Leland, I'm bringing you back in. I totally understand what you've gone through with me having with me dealing with what happened with with Audrey. Plus, Jerry's on heading to Japan and look into this Japanese. Exactly. Investor. Yep. Yep. Jerry's in Japan. Hmm. So they he brings them in and asks them how they can do this. Um. And do you want to do you want to kind of elaborate a little bit on this scene or? Uh. Well. The only thing that really stood out to me, because it was just more of their business, what basically Leland su- suggests is putting it off, throwing the escrow into like purgatory so they can just buy time and shit like that. The thing I really, and this was another like red herring and basically another, I mean, if you were listening to this, you already know who, who the reveal is. There's kind of a reveal here in that like Leland keeps looking at the stuffed wolf. He's getting really distracted by it. Mm-hmm. kind of like implying like you know and it has like the same color hair as him so it's just kind of like a predator meets predator type thing yep and then he makes does this really weird thing where he, where he actually pulls some fur off he's not paying attention he's kind of going off in la la land again um and he you know puts it you know puts it in his pocket he's like oh sorry puts puts this in his pocket and then leland um gets back to you know hey yep you're, you're gonna do this you're gonna do this yep and overall it was just kind of a, a scene that does have purpose. Yeah. It does have purpose. 
Yeah. Again, this I think with Lynch on set, I think there's a little bit of like keeping this episode more coherent and less rambling. Yes. And like I, you know, he's not the director, but you know, it'd be hard for me to think that he wasn't guiding a bit if they're going to have him on set anyway. Yep. Now again, I apologize. I got my notes a little mixed up here. Now's the part where Truman finds that Josie's leaving. Yep. Don't yeah. care. Don't care. Okay, we already talked about it. Okay. So Next now up. We have, we're at the we're at the Great Northern with Ben and Mr. Tajamora. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Tajamora's not happy. <laughs> like Ben's like treating him like an idiot. Yep. Which is yep. like uh that's a red herring in of itself. Yes. This whole scene with Tajamara is, I mean, if it made me realize I was kind of a dumb shit for not seeing it ahead of time, especially because well, Leland starts singing for no reason. That's uh, a red, it's a red herring. It's a red yep. herring. Uh, music's always in the air, so whenever Leland's Leland's always has music around him, and uh, you know, uh, Pete. It seems to take a liking to Mr. Tajamar, or not a liking, <laughs> just like he's very, he's very interested in this character, this, this stranger. And it's like you can tell in his eyes, like this, there's something familiar about Mr. Tajamara. I love Pete's interaction though with Mr. Tajamara. I do too, yeah. like especially as that big <laughs> beer gut, beer stein of milk. milk. Yeah, no, the, the it's such a Pete thing. It is a Pete thing. It is a Pete thing. But I also think, knowing what we know, they weren't going to give anything close to beer to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, um, to to Jack Nance based on put, based in real life. I mean, yeah, probably, based on real life. Yeah, they weren't going to put beer anywhere near Jack Nance. So, um, but yeah, just, Pete's not a drinker. No, no, but, 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 you know, he's talking to him and I forget what he says to him at first. And then, and, and, and then, uh, I love just Pete's innocence. You're not from around here, are you? <laughs> Josh Amar is just like, there's this banter between them where it's like, there's like a familiarity and, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just like, shut up, Pete. <laughs> yep. Shut up, Pete. That's exactly what's going on there. So then we get to the kind of the crescendo of these two episodes. Yeah, this is like, this is when we get dropped with all sorts of bombs. We're getting Pearl Harbored here. You're hardcore, just like we were with Mr. Tajimura. So Mike, uh, Philip Gerard is, he's being interrogated and Cooper's denying him his medication. And we find out that the medication is a weird mix with uh, Heliperol. Yep. Alpertal, which is for uh, schizophrenia. Yes. And some other things. And uh, after being denied it for a while, Mike comes out. And we talked about this last episode, if he was a parasite or something. And we, I think we were pretty much right in what he was, because he kind of explains it here. Yes. Mike comes out, he says he's an inhabiting spirit, where Bob, he implies Bob is more of a parasite. Exactly. Yes, and I had completely forgot about that. Right? Like I, did I, too. I forgot about this whole thing at the end. So yeah, it's like, so yeah. When it turns out, is Mike. He even says, uh, "What does he say about him and Philip?" In that, uh, 
he's he is, like he co- he only comes out when he needs to. Mm-hmm. He won't take over the body. Correct. Unless he absolutely has to, and when he absolutely has to is when Bob he senses Bob is nearby. Yes, because he's dedicated his life um, to to destroying Bob. Yes. Yeah, and I, I I totally forgot this too, but I just it felt weird just out of character. If Mike would have been like Bob as a parasite. Uh, he seems like such a benevolent or not such a like for good that it just would seem out of character mm-hmm. for like a logenity like that. But so he he basically says he comes out when he senses Bob because he doesn't want to put Philip in danger. In danger. Yep, and because he and my, he and Bob, they were familiars. Yes, they yep. kind of like two sides of the same coin type of thing. Well, and what's interesting is is that when you look at the term familiar, and I think of familiar in terms of um, like witchcraft, paganism, warlockism, um, that type of thing. So you have like the magician. And then a familiar is usually a demon or a entity that obeys or attends to the warlock or the witch. So what's interesting is to me um, that, you know, or, or familiar, I mean, much like the owls are not what they seem and owls being that, you know. So I, it seems to me that like when, 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 when Mike saw the face of God and cut off his arm... Bob was kind of set free, and it's just this non-thinking evil thing, right? Well, the arm does, and the arm is. Uh, we'll find out. Firewalk with me is the the little man from another place. Is Mike's arm? Yes. It's the only. It's the thing that kind of still binds them together. Yes. Uh, but Mike is no longer connected to it. But when he needs to speak to Bob, he has to go to the lodge and speak through the arm which eventually becomes a bubblegum tree uh, oh, fuck we'll get to that uh, which was a big uh, <laughs> that seems like so... something a schizophrenic would say but no people this is what happens in twin peaks yeah this is what happens up, everybody we're in for a ride yeah and there's a oh yeah and what i love about that though is there's a bunch of fuck yous to that there's a bunch of things that he's saying fuck you to with that bubblegum tree so then you know, and he, you know when 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 uh, you know Mike won't say where Bob comes from or where they come from, that cannot be revealed. But when he asks what he wants, he says Bob is eager for fun. Yeah, he and feeds on fear and pleasure. They are his children. They are his children. And what does he say? Um, I, I had a. I don't have this fully written down, but um, those, who, uh, those who see him are either the gifted or the damned. Yes. And then he says, you know, when, when Bob, you know, uh, you know, when he wears a smile, everybody run, you know? And, um, so they, you know, they, they go through all this and then they start doing the chant together. Yeah. The fire walk with me, Paul. Mm -hmm. Which is, um, through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds fire walk with me. I know that by memory too. It's yeah, amazing. It's amazing. Watch this so many, times. so many times, so many times that yes, I have that committed to memory. And um, you know when uh, you know so Mike says he's, he's you know he stays close to Gerard and enters him when he needs to to stop Bob. And um, 
you know, and he asked him where Bob is. And Bob's near. And he said, for nearly 40 years. And the way he describes it, I think he says, the like great rooms uh, occupied by souls. Many come in, many come out, that sort of thing. Basically, uh, he's basically describing the Great Northern. Yes. And, uh, th- there's going to be some interesting trivia I, I, I'm going to bring up next episode. And I maybe you that they actually shot two reveals. Oh, interesting. Okay. But they've only ever released the, the one. And we'll talk about it with Lonely Souls next week. But yeah, uh, basically they wanted to throw the cast and everybody off on who oh, killed Laura I think I did Palmer. know that. I think I did so know that. they filled it with two different suspects. Uh, not to leave everybody hanging, because I know that, that bullshit kind of annoys. They shot an ending with both Leland Palmer and then they shot an ending where Ben Horn. Ben Horn. Yes, I did know that. I did know that. Yep. So, yeah. But the, the Ben Horn one has never been released. Even, like, the Twin Peaks box sets, they've never released it. They've released deleted scenes, but they've never released that, as far as I can tell. I've never seen it. I've not seen it. I've heard of it. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that is um, kind of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm so glad that the way we that these happen to come out because I would have hate them had to do these two episodes not together because yeah. really this is just one long episode. Yeah, and it leads up perfectly to Lonely Souls. Yes, which it's is a- which is probably arguably the best episode of the show. Yeah, it. I'm not lying that that episode traumatized me as a kid. Uh, it was a reason why I slept with a light on at 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I'm still surprised this was shown on network t- television. I am too. And you know, again, we're going to get to this, this whole culmination. Cause yeah, I'm not, I'm not foreshadowing or, or I mean, I, I will leave this one on a cliffhanger. Um, I am not kidding as well that this fucked me up so bad. And when I told Joe how I experienced the episode, Joe said, wow, that seems even worse than, than, than how you should have experienced it. Um, and yeah, uh, this is, we're getting to the point where I stopped, I uh, had to stop watching it in its original run. I did too. I didn't yep. watch until uh, the final episode. Yep. If we're talking like, the run i stopped watching after this because i was so traumatized and then i had to watch the finale and oddly enough i didn't seem to miss a whole lot (laughs) between episode seven and episode 22 no (laughs) which says a whole fucking lot lot. and we are in for a rough rough ride after after next week um yeah well, I'll say the two episodes after. Okay, so the plan is, everybody, we're going to do Lonely Souls next week as its own. Yep. yep. Then we'll do episode eight and nine, because that pretty yep. much closes out the Laura Palmer storyline. It just, that's just where it ends. Yep. So, after, so at episode nine, Arbitrary Law, that's where that ends. We're going to go, I think, is, did we agree on this? This is when we're going to review Firewalk with Correct. Yes. Yes. After episode nine, we're going to review Firewalk so, with me. Yeah. So we'll do Firewalk with me, and then after that, then we'll be doing two large chunks. It'll be just two podcasts 
of this this filler and it's just honestly it, it's not fun to talk about it's fun to like rip on but i think paul and i just can't we just no. can't do episodes of no. this oh no, we tried, just, we not, tried. We'll, we'll soon just not have fun with this and i is this being one of the highlights of my week is talking twin peaks with paul i don't want to ruin that <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm completely with you on that. So yeah, I think we're gonna hammer through that, um, and then we'll do the 29 beyond life and death as its own, as its own, and then we'll go into the books. The, the at books, least, yeah, we'll probably do secret history, and we'll do a little bit of the missing pieces. I think because this is all kind of that stuff kind of all builds up for the. It'll be like a mishmash episode, I'd imagine. Just kind of like throwing these ideas out because then we'll go into the return, which is is going to be an interesting beast of its own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it too. I haven't watched it in like two years, so I'm kind of excited to revisit the return. Me too, honestly. Um, I, uh, I, I'm I very excited to do the return. And then once we're done with the return, we'll do we'll review the final dossier. Because that is basically the end cap to yep. the whole the whole thing. Yeah, that is when this journey ends, at least for now. I honestly, uh, people have wondered if there'll be a season four. Is nobody knows, given that re- filming the return damn near killed David Lynch. I don't think he'd if they did return. It was it's not going to be as an ambitious project as the return was. No, no, I don't think so either. Um, I honestly don't think they'll return to it. I don't think so. It ends. Uh, I think it ends great. I. It's just we'll get into it when we talk to it, but I think it's a fitting ending, and it pisses a lot of people off, which is great too. <laughs> it the return will piss a lot of people off. Yeah. It. It came out, and we'll talk about that because it's it's interesting of how how confusing it was when we first started watching it, and then because nobody knew how it was gonna how you, how you're gonna bring back Twin Peaks, they did it, and it's gonna be and it's different, and that's okay. It's it's very different. It's it's very 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 different, but I enjoyed it. I do too. Uh, yeah, especially when I rewatched it after going through it. I waited a year and I bought the Blu-ray set. I enjoyed it a lot more, kind of knowing where it was heading. Yeah, it was it was scary to see in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> it was very discombobulating at the beginning because it goes into the stuff Paul and I love, which is the Lodge stuff. But then it's just like, oh wow, this is a lot of Lodge stuff. Like I. I loved it, but it's just like it's it it's like I watched the first four episodes in a four and a half hour whatever marathon, and it was mm-hmm. exhausting. It was exhausting because yeah, I think they released the first four episodes at once, right? For streamings, and yeah, I yeah for streaming, yep, yep, and I've done the same thing, and I was not smacked by just over censoring. Oh, it was it was insane! It was insane, um, and. Uh, so yeah, we'll. I think so. We'll do um, next week. We'll do Lonely Souls. Then we'll do eight and nine together. I think. Yep, we'll do eight and nine, and, and then we'll do Fire Walk with. Then me. we'll do Fire Walk with me. 
Um, so that's what you guys are in for. And boy, there's going to be so much trauma to revisit and do these things. Yeah, because people just remember these were eight or nine year old, ten year old, maybe it, I, yeah, nine at least nine year old kids watching this. Not meant for children. Never been meant for children. Not meant for children. Yeah. Not, not meant for children at all. We're, uh, we're heading here to the end. So, Paul, what do you have in the? What do you guys have coming up for cast that movie? You guys are releasing an episode. This yes. week, this week. I'm excited because I don't get to, even though you guys are on my blog site, I, know, I don't get to hear these early. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, and I appreciate that. Yes, yes. So we are on the showdown. Um, we are on the showdown. Um, so the next one that's coming up um, will be released. Um, uh, this week will be on Tuesday. This Hopefully I should have this one up uh, you know, beforehand. But uh, we will be doing, um, oh, God, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> and, and then uh, the, uh, as our recast, and then our dream project is The Birth of SNL. That's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see who you guys play uh, Humble Man Chevy Chase in that. Well, let me ask you, who would you pick? Uh, this sounds because he did it. But I thought it worked perfectly. Was Joe McHale played Chevy Chase in the uh, National Lampoon biopic that was on Netflix? Okay, because they kind of have like the similar mannerisms and a similar sense of humor, and plus they were both on Community. So I, yeah, that's my lazy man pick. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm not going to give away who we picked. Um, maybe Brian someone. Dennehy. Maybe Brian. Brian Dennehy. <laughs> and I do address your Brian Dennehy comment, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing it up. It's the Speed 2 cruise control of yes, that movie. That's so freaking awesome. That and Airwolf. Um, so, you know, something else I'd like to bring up here that we're that, that we're doing now with um, – with and, and I'll ask you, Joan, a little bit here. But, you know, during the week, you know, you can also find us on Facebook. You can find – you know, we have our, the, our Twin Peaks um, podcast above a convenience store, Talking Twin Peaks page. And we have our um, cast that movie page. And something I'm going to start introducing um, is, you know what? Ask us things. Bring up questions. Bring up comments. Um, one of our one of our listeners, you know, I wanted me. That's why I mentioned the game earlier. Um, she wanted me to say, hey, you know what? You're going to make everyone lose the game today. Um, and that was uh, one of our listeners. Her name's Ray. Um, so the idea is, is that, you know, during the week, bring up comments, bring up questions, bring up things, you know, that maybe points that you guys have on things and we can address them. I'd be, I think we'd be, you and I'd be happy to add that to the podcast. Well, we've been nerding out on these theories between us for so long. I'd welcome another point of view. <laughs> you and I have been talking this shit for a long time. For a long time. For a long, I think ever since we both found out we were into it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um... You know, I think that was through Facebook, and then again when we saw each other at the, at the at the book signing, I think that's when it hit both of us. Uh, oh, you're really into Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the return we were just messaging each other back and forth, like, what the fuck? What the fuck was this? What the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah. James and singing that fucking song again. <laughs> singing that fucking song again, and we'll, we have to we have to revisit that fucking song. I'll skip. Uh, it's just the end credits, man. I don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> 
No. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Give us questions or give us your theories, man. We're, we love to nerd out on this and we'd love you to guys, you all to just nerd out with us. Yeah. Agreed. Now, Joe, you guys have something different going on in the Joe down uh, this week, this month, don't you? Oh God. Uh, yeah. We're doing podcasts. Uh, Brown and I don't do them too often. We're more right. We like to write a lot more. Uh, it just, it's just our, how we're more comfortable. So we're stepping out of our comfort area and we're doing podcasts of all the fast and furious movies we have not reviewed yet. And, uh, we watched the first three so far and it's, it, it's rough because <laughs> my introduction was the seventh movie and we're basically, it's like, they're just balls out insane at that point. They, they just don't care. The rocks there, they're international mercenaries. So I was very confused going into these and like, Hey, these guys are just a bunch of street racers. What's going on? Where's, why isn't the rock yanking a helicopter out of the sky with a chain? Which is something that happens in Hobbs and Shaw, the spin-off Oh, movie. my God. Like, Paul, you got to watch them. I swear. Oh. 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 But don't watch the early ones. Watch, start at, like, seven, because that's when you're just like, wait, what? Everything you thought about these movies is just, like, thrown out the window, and it's just the weirdest action franchise I've ever seen. I'll listen to your guys' podcast of it, and maybe eventually I'll get to it. But my God, I have no desire to see these movies. Yeah. Plus, The Rock is, you know, my God, he's a charismatic fucking guy. Like, I'll watch, I'll watch almost anything with him, and it just the guy just oozes charisma. He does. I, I will say, he is a very charismatic, charismatic dude. Was The so, Rock been able to save Rocky and Bullwinkle? No. <laughs> no uh well you know what he maybe because i think I, I think if the rock was in it he probably would have demanded a better script um but um, de Niro in that movie <laughs> de Niro's a not only was he in it he was one of the producers oh god yeah oh god is right yeah Ooh. you want to you want to listen i'm excited for this pod like i know i know it was just like the island of Dr. Moreau like wiped you out and you guys need something, but I'm still interested in hearing <laughs> how this came to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I do get into that and you you want to hear, I mean, I'll be honest, it's nowhere near in terms of depth of what was Dr. Island of, of Dr. Moreau, but it still was interesting enough where I was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's what happened there. Um, so yeah, once again, I want to give a great big shout out to, to Ray bear wins with her, you know, with, with her question or comment. Please, guys, join, you know, bring up your comments or things. We will talk about them in the podcast. Um, Joe, anything else you want to say? No, I think uh, <clears throat> we got to uh, we got to prepare for next week's episode because uh, Bob's coming with his death bag. And remember, those who see them are either the gifted or the damned.